It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo, and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you, with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations, so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome back to the Transfer Tracker Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. And today we are going to talk about those other transfers, the JUCO transfers, which for many years was pretty much the only place you could go to find immediate help that you knew was going to get on the court the next year. I mean, there's been waivers for you know transfers up to about 70% in the last few years and, and graduate transfers for about 15 years now that could play immediately. But this is still a very uh, viable pool of talent that's it's important to understand, and, and we don't need to ignore it, because these are guys that can come in ready to play. And historically, it's been, you know, many great players. Larry Johnson, uh, Jimmy Butler, Sam Cassell, you know, historically many guys. Now, granted, probably about, I'd say, 2000-ish, you know, the prep schools really came into play, and you, you didn't get as many uh, Steve Francis's or whoever go into JUCOs. They would just prep a year and then go to, to college. But but now what you see is also a lot of guys that, you know, they start out in Division One and they'll play one year in, um, in JUCOs. Regardless, there's still about 15% of JUCOs, and that, that's across all three divisions that end up playing Division One basketball. So it's a it's a very large pool that we still, still need to um, to think about and I think you explore. And I think, you know, we want to know how uh, this translates. And it, the thing about it is there's a lot more variance. I think when you have a player that averages about 15 points per game in any of the low major conferences, you still you kind of know what that player is. And if a guy averages like 20 points a game in Division Two, I think you can still project what that guy is in Division One. Now, I've seen many examples in JUCO where the guy's – average 15 points even 20 points a game and they just they don't they don't show up it doesn't translate and then you got a guy you got guys that average five or ten and and then they're doing even better and it's just it's this weird dynamic with uh juco's and granted there's many different levels of juco's but i think for the most part if it's one of the you know the top 25 type programs you can you can kind of project uh to to what this these players are going to be similar to you know, Division Two or a low major type conference as well, and some of those teams are are just as good as would would beat you know Division One teams. I absolutely believe that. Just looking at the talent that comes out of some of these programs like Tupola and North uh, West Florida State, and uh, many examples actually. We will talk about many of the uh, big time JUCOs that have already committed, and just a little bit about the the top five or so, ten maybe ten top guys this year but I think uh, we need to look back at this past season and just in more recent memory just to get more of an idea of what you know what JUCOs bring to the table now I think one of the most obvious ones is in recent history is uh, Chris Duarte who started he actually committed to Western Kentucky and then he went to junior college where he was national player of the year 
and then he went to Oregon, and he was a first-rounder, even as a 24-year-old, which is kind of hard to, to do. But he's been totally productive in the NBA, just a, a big-time player that was was gotten out of JUCOs and actually went to JUCOs and bettered his, um, his recruitment. I think another good example uh, really this past year was uh, Keon Ellis, who was a big-time player on – Alabama, who was a sixth seed in the NBA, maybe shouldn't have been a sixth seed in the, um, I'm sorry, in the NCAA tournament, but yeah, he averaged 12.6 rebounds this year, had a 20 PER, shot 36%, totally, you know, translated, got on the court. Well, he was he was from two years ago. I think this past season, um, I think these super seniors and all the transfers you know, that were sticking around and, and, and moving around kind of hurt this past class of, of JUCOs. But, um, and also, uh, it seems to take take these JUCOs, uh, they almost need, like, an, the first year they don't really produce, but then you see, like, this example with Keon Ellis. You know, his first year he, cut, he got into, you know, college. He averaged five points, four rebounds. Now this year he's averaging 12 points and six rebounds at Alabama in his second year. So that's something I've noticed with a lot of these guys that, you know, it takes them one year to get acclimated, acclimated to Division One, And then they, you know, just like other players, you know, by the time they're a senior, you know, they're, they're quality players, a lot of them. And you see a lot of these guys bouncing around as well. Uh, I, th- I think it must just be something in the blood. These transfer guys, they start at one school, they move to another school, and then you'll, you'll in many cases, see them, you know, playing at an, another Division One school, or you know, they've moved three, four times in their career. Uh, I've seen that quite often. Just a few other examples. Uh, Jay Scrub last year, he I think committed to Louisville, and then he just entered the draft and was a second-round draft pick. Alondes Williams, Tyson Jolly, Trey Wade, uh, Justice Hill. These were all guys you know starting in the uh, NCAA tournament and and doing. Some, some nice things for, for good teams. Trey Wade at Arkansas, um, Alondes Williams. I'm sorry, he Alondes Williams was a big-time player, but he was in the NIT with Wake Forest. But just to give you an idea, I mean, that's, you know, just in recent years, these guys were all um, JUCO transfers that have since proven themselves in Division One. Oh, yeah, and Teddy Allen. I forgot about him. He had uh, went to Nebraska and averaged 16 points a game, and then he did the same thing this year at New Mexico State. Had 37 in the tournament. Uh, They won a game. So, yeah, big-time players. Uh, And I think what we'll do first off is we'll just talk about some of the guys that, you know, doing kind of what you would expect uh, that were big-time pickups last year in JUCO. Um, Number one, Deshaun Davis, who actually – is uh, back on the transfer market this year. He's decided he's going to transfer from Oregon State, but he came from uh, JUCOs and averaged 21 points per game, and then he goes to Pac the uh, Pac-12 and he's averaging 11 points a game this year with a 16 PER on a shitastic uh, Oregon State team. But I don't think it was you know mostly him. I mean he can't control but so much. But his uh, his three-point shooting was pretty horrible. It's one of the things that that just it, it kind of kind of baffles me. You know, the guy shot 42% last year in JUCOs, and he had shot 36% the year before, and he's shooting 19% at Oregon. And you know, clearly he's still a player that you know th- 
your Oregon State was in the Elite Eight just a year ago, and he was a player that that coach obviously believed in, and and I just don't I don't understand the shooting dropping that much. I mean, I think there's been plenty of studies that show, you know, the length doesn't really affect the the percentage. It's it affects you know players being able to take the shot. Like you're not going to take a shot if it's going to get blocked, and so you can kind of like control the volume. Uh, not so much the percentage, but when you see a percentage drop so much, I mean, from 42 to 42 on pretty nearly two makes a game, that's pretty good volume to, you know, 19% at at, Pac, at the end of the Pac-12. That's just a, a massive drop. And, you know, we need to look for these kinds of uh, translations and, and and drops in production so we can kind of project out the, the new transfers and how the JUCO transfers and how they – will fit in next year. This was also a guy that uh, really facilitated pretty well, especially considering there was no other offensive options on his team pretty much. He, he was getting five and a half assists per game. He was getting a, a steal, 1.4 steals. And these are things that he did in JUCOs very well. He averaged 9.6 assists and 2.8 steals in junior college. It was not turning the ball over either, only point. Uh, six turnovers so that's super impressive and I think I think the shooting I think you can expect him not to shoot 19% again I, I just I don't believe you can be you know on the kind of volumes he shot it shooting 42% in JUCOs I I would have no problem taking him and taking a chance on him and, and hoping that he could get back to to being you know a better shooter because that's really all he was missing he was doing Still doing nice things as far as assisting and uh, being disruptive, stealing the ball, and he, he just really needs to get that shooting um, back up. And his free throw shooting was totally respectable in JUCOs, seventy-three uh, percent on pretty pretty solid big volume getting to the line, and and he just didn't shoot the ball well. So I said I'm a, I would believe that he could come back around, and and I think he'll be a pretty hot transfer on the market. Next up, Jaden Zachary, and this is a guy that played for a powerhouse uh, Chipola team. That he averaged uh, 12.5 points per game, shot 42% from three. Well, he goes to the ACC in Boston College, averages 10.4 points, shoots 48% from three on a higher volume, uh, making 1.5 per game. So he's a guy that really just did everything you would expect. Uh, pretty solid. Uh, rebounds and, and assist. Um, he, he was playing a lot of minutes. 1.7 steals. I mean, he just had a, a really nice stat line. You know, making 52 threes, uh, 48%. You, you're a quality player. And he just – and Boston College wasn't that good. Maybe that's understandable that Chipola is a, a con- consistently a, a powerhouse team that Maybe there really wasn't that much difference in in the two teams, but he totally played a, a great role. Even you know, I would think he would have quite quite a few defenses looking at him shooting forty eight percent and game planning to keep him from getting those off. And he's still able to and still made them. The next two guys are Louisville players, and number one, this first guy, I don't understand why he wouldn't be playing more. His name is Sidney Curry. He averaged seven points, four rebounds, but get this, in only uh, 13 minutes a game. He had a 25 PER. Why is a dude playing 13 minutes a game that has a 25 PER and shooting 67% from the 
floor. I mean, he's started 12 games. You start a guy and you play him 13 minutes a game. That makes, you know, no sense, really. Uh, he, he was a guy that absolutely seemed highly productive. Even his per 100 possessions, 30 points, almost 20 rebounds. Um, so, I don't know, man. .65 true shooting. I, maybe he just wasn't playing playing good defense. Yeah, his defensive rating, 104. But as productive as he is, you got to find a way to get, get him out there and, and – and figure the rest out. Put some good defensive players around him because he's obviously, you know, very productive, highly, highly productive. And maybe their coach, now that he's fired, maybe he should have been playing him. The other guy was L. Ellis, and he did about what you would think he should be doing as well, 8.7 points per game. Uh, just Louisville was just a weird team, man. They had like no double-digit scores. Like in 2022, how many teams do you know of that has no double-digit scores? And this is a team with, you know, multiple top 100, top 75 even recruits. And they had like 10 players that averaged between five and and 9.6 points per game. So I, I just I think some of this is probably coaching. I would say that maybe you shouldn't depend so heavily on JUCOs, but I think in this case they needed to actually depend more heavily on um, on these particular JUCOs because most of their team didn't have a 25 PER, and even at L. Ellis was very respectable, uh, 13 and, and .51 true shooting, which when you compare to many of the other players on the team, you know, it's at least within the uh, within the margin there, but but Sidney Curry, 25 PER, you got you to start playing this guy. This was, this was one of the guys that was like he deserved to play more, and I think you might you probably have more wins if he was, you know, doubling his minutes instead of playing 13 minutes, uh, getting up to at least 25, 26. Next up, I want to talk about a couple of 7'4", 7'5", guys. Uh, the first one, he actually went to Western Kentucky, and he was more productive than he was at his JUCO and in junior college he averaged seven points uh, seven rebounds 5.8 blocks that was better but he only shot 56 percent from the floor he goes to western Kentucky he's averaging eight points per game that's more averaging more rebounds 7.5 and still a very high 4.62 blocks and staying out of foul trouble and I think that's the stat you really need to look at with you know these guys that block that many shots he was only you know fouling 2.2 times a game uh, able to stay on the court 28 minutes a game he was a thin guy 225 pounds so you know stamina shouldn't be an issue but here's the stat 72 percent from the field goal from from the floor in division one that's way better than he did either year he was in uh, junior college so it just goes to show you this is a guy that you know clearly could could be productive i think the guys that generally show this kind of um up in their production and stats are the the centers and you know they're doing it in a way where a lot of times i guess they were taking less shots but this is a guy he was taking you know uh his field goal percentage is better he wasn't he was averaging more points per game in, in the role in juco's and that was simply from from making more shots the other oversized big was Naheem McCloyd, who was seven foot four, two hundred and fifty pounds, played at Florida State, and he had nearly identical 
production as a Chipola team, powerhouse Juco team he played on. He averaged six points per game, um, four rebounds, and then he goes to Florida State. He's averaging five points a game, uh, two rebounds, but you know, still very productive at a 21 PER. He probably could have handled more, you know, a, a bigger role and still maintain a lot of production. You get a guy that's seven foot four, he's impacting the game defensively almost. Almost always. I mean, it's just it, guys see guys that big, and they're not gonna they're not gonna test them for the most part. If they do, they're not gonna test them very much because they they block shots. And this is another guy. He didn't block as many shots as as uh, Sharp did for Western Kentucky, but he is a guy that was still a, a impactful defensive player. Another guy I want to talk about who <laughs> actually was more productive, and that's. Uh, Cairo Aquendo from uh, Georgia. Excuse me if I butcher his name. I'm not going to look it up. I'm not real familiar with him. Georgia was terrible this year. They fired Tom Tom Crean. Um, but this is a guy that only averaged 13 points per game in, in JUCOs, and he's averaging 15 points per game at, at Georgia. So they obviously needed him, uh, got more rebounds, um, you know, just – a productive guy. He obviously didn't shoot as well, um, which that's to be expected. You know, increasing your your role and usage uh, and moving up a level like that. But I think it just goes to show that even in these power conference teams, and and he wasn't that inefficient. He was just very efficient in in junior college. Point six two three true shooting, and then he still had a point five. Uh, Five four true shooting at Georgia, so totally respectable. Seventeen point five per. So this is a, a good quality uh, player that many teams could certainly use, and Georgia needed more guys like this. But it's just an interesting, um, you know, a guy that had a, a big role at Florida Southwestern State. I assume that's one of the. I'm not familiar with that JUCO, but I'm assuming it's in the same conference as uh, Chipola and, and some of those other Florida JUCOs. Very strong junior college ball in that state and also uh, out in Kansas. But, um, but yeah, so he was uh, very productive and averaged bigger bigger minutes, more points, and, and sometimes you got to do that when you're on a, a not a good team like uh, Georgia. But it showed that he would, it, you know, it's possible. And, you know, certain certain guys like this. There was a lot of guys that that weren't that didn't play well last year from JUCOs that were expected to, and also you know were all American JUCOs. But there are several examples where guys did play very very well. I have a couple more guys I want to talk about from this past season. Then we'll get into some of the new guys, uh, top 100 guys that have committed uh, this year. And this next guy is Alonzo Gaffney. He was a guy that started out at Ohio State, was a top 100 recruit. Uh, goes to, he didn't play at Ohio State, and goes to JUCOs, where he averaged 21 minutes a game, and then he moves on to Arizona State. Nothing really impressive. Eight points, uh, five rebounds. He goes to Arizona State, where he's also playing 21 minutes a game, and that's probably a recipe for not being very good. Uh, if you're taking a, a JUCO that averaged eight points and five rebounds, I don't care about the pedigree. When you don't really do much on the court, you know I'm going to believe that uh, as opposed to what some dude thought about you when you were 16 or 17. But he goes to Arizona State. Clearly, he's getting getting uh, chances to to realize some of this potential. But it's 
kind of not there. Um, 20, 21 minutes, uh, shot 43% from the, the floor. It's taken a few three-pointers as a kind of a power uh, power forward, six foot nine type guy. He does block shots. I will say that one point seven. See what his per was. Eleven point eleven point two eight. That's you know that's not good. That's not gonna you know that that's you're not you're not a four star player. Sorry if you uh, if you're you know got eleven per and you you don't even get on the court at Ohio State. But it's just a, one of the examples of a guy that that went to you know was a big time recruit went to. Juco's and didn't really do much there. I don't even think Northwest Florida State was good last year. I know they won the championship this year, but they only won like six games last year as well. So that should have been a, a tip off right there. Maybe maybe you don't want this eight point per game guy on a six and fifteen, you know, <laughs> JUCO team. And if you are playing him twenty one minutes a game, you're gonna be on the hot seat. And that's exactly what happened to Danny Hurley. I mean Bobby Hurley. The last guy from this past year I want to talk about is Kessie Taminga. And I, he went to Nebraska. He was from Juco's where he averaged 16 points a game and shot the ball lights out. I mean, he was like 48% in Juco's, 88% from the line. And I always find these guys interested, interesting because sometimes you can find these guys that shot like 50%, even like low 50, 55%. And I'm just curious to see how that actually translates whenever they get to Division One, And also on the other side, you, you get some guys once in a while, like there was a guy named Bigsby Williams a couple of years ago that played at Oregon and LSU. He averaged like six blocks a game. I want to see how that translates. And for him, it didn't translate. But, you know, there's examples that it does. The three-point shooting, though, he shot 94 of 193 for 49% in JUCOs, 33% at Nebraska. It did not translate. I think the the I think the the scouting report was definitely guard this guy. His uh, his free throw shooting, of course, carried over like you would expect. But just one example, like I said, I don't. I think generally the the percentages are are not super defensible. But then you see examples like this where it's like, well, maybe that's not exactly true. Um, at least in college, I know in the NBA they say that you know the percentages aren't really uh, defensible. It's the it's the volume. You can teams can can force teams to get less volume, which like I said, it makes sense because the guys aren't gonna be shooting it and knowing they're gonna get blocked, they just won't shoot it. They'll they'll pass it on, you know, to the next guy so they don't take as many three point shots. And the guy that when they know they can get them open, they're shooting similar, you know, similar percentages you would think. But I I just find it inter- interesting that you know, some of these JUCOs, the percentages are way off. And you see it, obviously, in, in the opposite way as well. But it's just uh, just something to think about. Okay, let's talk about a few of the um, top JUCO guys, several of them that have already committed, but just to be on the lookout for here in the next uh, few weeks transferring. Uh, number one, the number one ranked junior college player, Muhammad Dara, and he committed to Missouri, and new coach Dennis Gates, uh, within days of getting the job, he's already got this guy locked in. I don't really know how good he is, though. I mean, he he is a big man. He averaged eight points, uh, ten rebounds. Uh, did step out and shoot a few threes, thirty-one percent. But you know, highly productive as far as his 
Whoa. And just as I said that, I realized that he shot 38% from the floor overall, which is horrible. But checking back, that, that was his freshman numbers. Ten, eight points, 10 rebounds per game as a freshman. His numbers this season, 18 points, 12.6 rebounds. Totally in line with what you would expect from a, a player that's uh, considered a number one ranked Juco by a couple places. And he did hit a few three-pointers, 30%. Uh, 30 of 100 from threes. That's pretty good when you're 6 foot 11, 6 foot 10 like he is. See what his block shots were. Hmm. Yep, 71 block shots in 30 games. So that's a little over two. Uh, so, yeah, it's totally solid there. 71.4% from three th- the free throw line. That's very encouraging for a big man that's uh, athletic, appears to be athletic. So this is the number one, considered the number one recruit. I haven't actually uh, watched any video on him. I just will take their word on on him, and his numbers seem to back it up. Um, You know, the guys I watch video on generally are the more marginal guys. I want to see if they appear to have the athletic ability. I'm just going to assume this guy does. He's good in Missouri and ranked number one. The number two Juco, Sean East, and he's a guy that falls in in line with what I was talking about earlier, guys that have played Division I ball and then they go Juco a year. This is a guy that actually played two years of Division I ball. He played at Massachusetts, averaged nine points a game there, uh, five assists, one steal, uh, 14 PER. Then he transfers to Bradley, plays a year there. Um, where he averages nine points and uh, nearly four assists there, 16 PER. Uh, Three-point shooting, totally solid, career 33.3% guy. It peaked out at 35% in the Missouri Valley Conference. But I've never seen that. This is a guy that played two years in Division One, and then he goes in JUCOs a year. And that's just the world we live in, the COVID you know, extra year of eligibility. So he's going to take that extra year of eligibility and – and use it in JUCOs, uh, where guys can play three years, I suppose, now. And let's see how he did in JUCOs this year. Yep, 21 points per game, 5.7 assists, 4.3 rebounds, shot 41% from three, 53% overall for a, a guard, a 6-3 guard. That's pretty incredible. And 89% um, free throw shooting for John A. Logan, which is a, a good JUCO school. So, yeah, this guy should be on – all the top schools' radars, I would say. Just just the, alone, the volume of, of free throws. He's uh, he obviously has sh- some shooting talent. He's already proven to be a, a near ten point per game guy at multiple different Division One schools. This is a guy. It's a guy that everyone needs. To, I, in fact, I like him better than uh, Dara already. Number one, in my opinion, just you know, just just because he's done it on the Division One court already. Another guy that's also done it on the court already is considered a top five JUCO player is Denise Jenkins. Played at Pacific West Coast Conference, very good conference. Averaged 12 points per game there, 16 PER. Uh, True shooting, not very good. I guess most of this was usage-based. Yep, 24% usage. But he's a guy that, you know, you can put the ball in his hands and and he can suck up some usage and, and at least lead your team um, and put the ball in the basket. Okay, I mean you need you need a guy sometimes to do that. 
um, even if he can't do it as efficiently as like maybe you would want. But he, he does get to the line pretty pretty good amount of times and, and shoots 78% there. So there's a little bit of, of shooting skill in there. His three-point shooting is pretty horrible, but it doesn't take many volumes. So I guess he knows his limitations there. But he's a guy that's, you know, average of 12, 12 points per game in the West Coast Conference. That's, uh, that's a guy I think everybody's going to be taking a look at, at least of the JUCOs, because he's already proven it there. Got a couple more guys, and I'll get you out of here. The next guy, he's the WTF guy. I just I don't get this one. His name is Nick Pringle. He's ranked fifth in JUCOs, but he only averaged nine points and eight point well eight point nine rebounds nine points nine rebounds did shoot 61 percent from the floor but he doesn't shoot well from the free throw line or the three-point shot shooting at all 19 percent and 51 percent free throws uh don't think he blocks many shots let's see what that is 41 that's respectable in 34 games so a little over one a game but this is a guy he started his career at wofford and alabama has already you know signed him got a commit from him and at Wofford, he, he didn't play. He only played six minutes a game in 15 games, presumably garbage time, and he was pretty horrible there, two points per game. And he's really not that great. And he just seems more or less like kind of a, a slightly above average Juco player, but they have him ranked, you know, number uh, five in Juco's this year. I don't even think he's that big. Well, six foot nine. Um, he's well put together, 220. So I don't know. I guess Alabama sees something here. This is one I would have to question a little bit, I think, though, just to being ranked this high. I, I just got to think there's more than five guys that are, you know, could go to Wofford and, and actually play more than five minutes a game in garbage time. Whereas that one didn't make any sense, this next one makes complete sense. Just on the surface, uh, looking at the, the rankings, he's ranked number 11. His name is uh, Tyrone Williams. He's already committed to Oregon in the Pac-12. So he's six foot five, averaged 28 points per game in JUCOs, and shot 43%, uh, 6.8 rebounds, 2.4 assists, yeah, I can I can definitely see a guy that's averaging 27 points regardless whatever the level is and doing it efficiently like this guy was, uh, 55% from the floor, even making nearly three threes a game, 43% from threes. The, the free throw shooting is a little bit of a question mark. It's 60, career 66% guy. Eh, I don't know. I, you got to question that a little bit that, you know, your free throw shooting are you really a 43 uh, percent three-point shooter if you're you know if you got that you know low 60 percent or mid 60 percent free throw shooting that's something i always look at you know in the numbers if, if a guy is making 40 percent of his three-pointers is he just a J.R. smith that can make threes and shoots poorly at the line well there aren't many examples of those usually that those are very high variance guys that are not going to consistently make threes they'll just get very streaky, you know, here and there. But but regardless, I mean, he's considered a top JUCO guy. He averaged 28 points per game, um, and he did shoot 44% nearly on threes on huge volume, nearly three made a game. So he's certainly worth a take, I think. And uh, we'll, we'll see how real it is. But, but good Oregon, certainly a big, from the looks of it, a big-time player. 
Chris Duarte, I, I don't think he's that. And that's another guy that went to Oregon um, from JUCOs, was JUCO National Player of the Year that year. And speaking of Duarte, uh, Northwest Florida State is where he went to school. That's where our next guy uh, went as well. And his name is uh, Deshaun Washington. He's six foot seven. He actually started his career at Robert Morris, only played in one game. But at least it shows that, you know, even two years ago that he was on the radar at Division One school. They thought he was that sort of quality. And then he went to something called South Suburban. I'm not even familiar with that, but he averaged 27 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, two, uh, nearly three blocks and three steals a game. So I have no clue what this level is. Uh, let's see what his PER. Well, it's not even showing up. Uh, negative 27 PER uh, at, at Robert Morris. I've never seen a negative 27 PER. That's pretty incredible. But it was in five minutes. Just something that was kind of interesting. The reason I, I mentioned him this year, he's at uh, Northwest Florida State. They won the National JUCO Championship. And he averaged a good number of points. 12 points, 8.8 rebounds, 4.5 assists for a six foot seven guy. I think I think this is a guy that's certainly interesting. That's why he's in the top 10 uh, JUCOs uh, considered even before this year. And then where whatever he was doing at this other place, South Suburban or whatever that was, 27 and 13. I'm gonna have to look into that. I don't even know what level that was at. But he's a guy that's clearly productive. He, he shot 37% from three, not on big volume, uh, 16 of 43, so less than one a game. But, yeah, he's a he's a guy. He's a national champion. I think people should certainly look and, you know, see what's going on here. Um, top 10 Juco. Got the, the length and the size. Already started at Division One, so he's certainly going to get some looks. Okay, so I think that's going to be it today, guys. I just wanted to start the discussion on JUCO transfers. I, I don't want to ignore these transfers. They're a legitimate uh, pool of talent that need to be uh, looked at, especially for coaches. Um, so, yeah, th- these are just the, a little bit of the history, just a little bit of what happened last year in recent history. And looking forward at the some of the top ten guys and, and you know, as they commit and – We'll follow, you know, follow it, and the, the classes they go to, um, they'll be, they will be included, as you know, any other transfer, and we'll we'll talk about ones that pop up that aren't maybe ranked that I just want to follow and see that seem to be, you know, better than uh, than the rankings and that I think can make an impact. There's always guys like that in JUCOs. There's guys that put up crazy numbers, like I said, make. 50 plus percent of their threes are blocked, you know, five or six shots. And some somebody will take a chance on some of those guys, and we'll see how they that, that translates. That's always kind of an interesting exercise, I think. So, anyway, thank you for being here, guys. Bye. At Vanguard, this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and Vanguard is here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.